right, here we are, Wednesday morning of Passion Week, March 31st, 2021, and we are super glad that you have joined us. We are uh, making our way in these weekday devotionals through the book of Exodus, and um, if we don't know each other, I'm Pastor Paul, and we've been opening God's Word here for the last couple of months, walking through this book, and so we're up to Exodus 25. And so just a bit of run-up context here. God's called the people of Israel out of Egypt. He has um, freed them from the oppression of the Egyptians and now called them to be his possession. And they've made this journey up to Mount Sinai. And the people of God are encamped around the mount. And Moses has gone up on the mountain. He's received the Ten Commandments. And now he's receiving the other instructions of the law. And... Um, yesterday we talked about um, how God wanted them to steward their resources and and set aside uh, really all of their resources, their lives, their service, their ministry, their money, all of it uh, belongs to him, committed to him. And now he's going to hone in on what um, their worship should look like, um, specifically um, the the, the tent of testimony or the or which was the portable tabernacle they carried around um, and the things that were to go in to the tabernacle and we are talking this morning about the ark of the covenant okay and so the 70s and coming of age um, myself in the 80s I think one of my favorite movies and still is my favorite movie uh, one of my favorite movies is Raiders of the Lost Ark with Harrison Ford. And this is when popular culture was introduced to the Ark of the Covenant. And while there were some things they got wrong about the Ark and its history, uh, there were some, some things, theological things, they got right. And so let me, let me read this passage for us and let's unpack it together. So Exodus 25, verse 10. God tells Moses, they shall make an Ark of acacia wood two cubits and a half shall be its length a cubit and a half its breadth and a cubit and a half its height you shall overlay it with pure gold inside and outside shall you overlay it and you shall make on it a molding of gold around it you shall cast four rings of gold for it and put them on its four feet two rings on the one side of it and two rings on the other side of it you shall make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold and you shall put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry the ark by them. The poles shall remain in the rings of the ark. They shall not be taken from it. And you shall put into the ark the testimony that I shall give you. You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be its length and a cubit and a half its breadth. And you shall make two cherubim of gold. Of hammered work you shall make them on the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub on the one end and one cherub on the other end. Of one piece with the mercy seat shall you make the cherubim on its two ends. The cherubim, the cherubim shall spread out their wings above, overshadowing the mercy seat with their wings, their faces to one another. Toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubim be. And you shall put the mercy seat on the top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony that I shall give you. There I will meet with you, and from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the testimony, I will speak with you all that I will give you in commandment for the people of Israel. So 
this is, I mean, it's, it's hard to overestimate um, the importance of the Ark of the Covenant and the religious life of the people of Israel. It was to be located in the innermost holy of holies, um, which means that it was only viewed um, and observed um, after the time of Moses one time a year, and that's when the high priest would come in to the Holy of Holies and would sprinkle um, the Ark of the Covenant with um, the blood of the sacrifice for both his sins and the sins on the part of the people. And so it was the very place, now this was the after um, Israel had been settled, um, this was the very place where the presence of God dwelled, okay? This was, this was the holiest of holy um, relics, religious symbols in the life of Israel. Now, we don't need, want to mistake the fact, okay, um, or, you know, and this is, this is kind of how it was represented in the book, in the movie uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. The Nazis were after the, the Ark, right? Because it was, they believed, if they carried it in, in before them into battle, they were invincible, okay? And, and so almost like the Ark was a token or a good luck charm or um, it was some magical incantation. And we know that's not how it worked, right? So if, you, if you're in your Bibles, you can flip over to 1 Samuel um, chapter 7 where the Israelites made this same mistake, right? They... Um, they had been defeated in battle, and it tells us in First Samuel chapter five, um, where, or actually First Samuel chapter four, where the Israelites said, um, verse three of First Samuel four, and when the people came to the camp, the elders of Israel said, "Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord here from Shiloh." that it may come among us and save us from the power of our enemies. So this is what they did, and then they were wiped out. And the Ark of the Covenant was captured by the Philistines. And, and which shows us that the Ark did not possess power in itself. It wasn't like, a, like again, uh, some sort of superstitious incantation. Um, but it was the symbol of the power and presence of God with the people. And as such, it was not to be trifled with. To trifle with the ark um, was symbolically to trifle with God, and it was not to be manipulated. Um, the, it, again, God was emphasizing the power is not in the ark per se, the power is in me, but I'm gonna give you the ark of the covenant um, to be a symbol of my presence, and it's as if my holiness was actually around that relic. It's so, so hope that kind of makes some sense. Now, the way that it was designed was exquisite, right? Um, when it talks about this mercy seat, really what that's talking about is a cover. It was a solid gold cover. It had to be enormously heavy. And inside the ark was to be um, the law, the Ten Commandments. And there were other things placed in the ark along the way later, like the, the, um, I think the Moses of staff was ended up going in there and then um, maybe the some of the manna but initially it was just the the Ten Commandments okay the the law the stones would would be in the actual ark and the reason it says to construct um, rings on the outside of the ark and to put poles into them was once again um, 
no one was to touch the ark, okay? Again, not because it had magical mojo, but because God said it's a symbol of my presence and my power and my holiness. And, and so to trifle with it is to trifle with me. It was a physical, visible representation of the holiness of God. So once again, go back to Samuel, this time 2 Samuel. And um, 2 Samuel 6, a very uh, maybe a familiar passage for you. Um, Uzzah and the ark, right? So um, it says that they're carrying the ark of the covenant, verse 6, chapter 6, 2 Samuel. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God struck him down because of his error, and he died there beside the ark of God. Now, to our postmodern ears, that sounds incredibly extreme, uh, very strange, right? Um, sounds like a very harsh penalty for just stumbling. Well, there's obviously a lot to it, a lot more to it than that, right? God had gave explicit instructions to the Israelites that this was his, the, the symbol of his holy presence with them. And as such, um, his instructions for the ark, his instructions for his worship were very explicit, and it was to remind the Israelites that God was holy and they were not. And there was something about what Uzzah did. He wasn't just trying to lend a helpful hand, right? Um, there seems to be some sort of wanton disregard um, of the instructions of God related to the ark. Um, and he violated those and God struck him down. It was to be an example to the people for the holiness of God. We see the same thing, by the way, in the New Testament, don't we? So we, we can't just say this is an Old Testament thing because what happened to Ananias and Sapphira in Acts um, chapter 5? They lied to the Holy Spirit. They lied about their possessions. And what happened? Well, they were struck down um, dead. And that was meant to be an example to the people of, of the New Testament church that God is holy. So, so here we have this, this continuity, okay, this theme of God's holiness that really uh, permeates all of Scripture. And it was the ark. Again, that was the very embodiment, the very symbol of that. Now, one thing that we, we ought to note here is that while the high priest, okay, um, after Moses passed, okay, so Aaron and, and um, the other high priest that came after him, they got to visit the ark once a year, right? And that was on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, uh, where they made the sacrifice, um, entered the Holy of Holies, but listen carefully here. Um, verse 22. There, God says, he's talking to Moses, There I will meet with you, and from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the Ark of the Testimony, I will speak with you all about all that I will give you in the commandment for the people of Israel. So in other words, Moses actually had a unique access. So now Moses could not just come into the Ark, I mean, into the Holy of Holies with the Ark of the Covenant anytime he wanted. However, when he was called in to meet with God, this is where he met with God, at the Ark of the Covenant. And so Moses had this unique, okay, um, access to God. He was a unique mediator for the people of the Old Covenant. Now, fast forward to the New Testament, this is still relevant, right? Where people that the writer of Hebrews is writing to still look to Moses as their mediator. 
But in Hebrews 3, let's look at that very quickly. Um, the writer of Hebrews makes a point to say that Jesus is greater than Moses. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all of God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Now, this is, this is fascinating, right? So, no longer is Moses our mediator, the writer is saying, but Jesus is our mediator. He is the one um, who intercedes for us and gains us access to the holiness of God and the presence of God. But here, here's, here's what's unique for the New Testament believer, that, that we have um, this advantage over Moses, over the Old Covenant people, Old Testament people, our unique advantage is that we have access to the holiness and presence of God all the time. Not just once a year, not just when God invites us, but through Jesus Christ, we have immediate and eternal access. Um, something even Moses did not have in his life. Now, we can't trample on that. We can't, we can't presume upon that. We do come to God on his terms we do worship God on his terms we don't trifle with the holiness of God but when we are trusting in Christ for the atonement and the forgiveness of our sins we are given immediate and unfettered access to God and to Jesus um, through Jesus's death for us that is an amazing thing right we don't need the Ark of the Covenant anymore a lot of people talk about trying to find the Ark of the Covenant well if we find the Ark of the Covenant, we'll just say, you know, um, that's like any other archaeological uh, find that we would say, you know, that that's unique, that's special, let's put it in a museum. Um, but it doesn't have any lasting eternal significance for the people of God because we no longer need it. We have Jesus. And um, this is where this passage ultimately points us to. Okay, tomorrow... Um, we're going to look at the table for bread, the golden lampstand. These are all accoutrements that are going into the tent of meeting. Um, and we're going to talk about their significance to us as believers. So thanks for joining us. Same time, same station tomorrow. Let us, let us pray. Lord, um, thank you that you, Jesus, are better than Moses. You are our eternal mediator. And you have given us access to the Father, not through the sprinkling of the blood of bulls and goats, but by the sprinkling of your own blood. And we don't have to wait once a year to come into your presence. Your presence is now in us, in us and you. Well, we thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.